Good morning. Okay, so thinking about it, as this is uh, coming into the new year, generally as tradition, you know, we don't really stand up on much ceremony tradition, but some tradition is, you know, we're coming on the special seasons and whatnot, we have special message. I was thinking about it and woke up in this morning bright and early and the Lord just started pouring ideas into my mind and I was sitting on the edge of the bed and just literally blankets off, sit up and just putting down all the notes and so the Lord gave me a message for today and uh, it's so apropos and uh, if you could take your Bibles please turn to John chapter 3 kind of a continuation in our study of the Gospel of John but uh, we're going to just detour a little bit into something here. Now, as we come into the new year, there's a lot of, there can be a lot of differing thoughts and ideas and fears and worries and, and uh, wondering, you know, how's this one going to go? And especially in the past few years, how things have gone. And so what does the Lord have for us is something that we can look at that to encourage us and help us as we come into the new year. So before we start reading, let's pray. Our Lord, we do thank you for this day, this time, and Lord, we thank you and praise you that we can always come before you. We always look to you and know that you are with us and you would help us. Lord, I pray that you would bless us now with this study of your word, that Lord, you would truly encourage our hearts and you'd strengthen us, and we ask all this in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. All right, so all down through the Word of God, we, we see it, the Lord telling us to look to Him, to trust in Him, and He gives us many different examples. And one point that we use often a lot in teaching about an example for Christians, as we see in the Scriptures, Apostle Paul says to use Him as an example, as He is an example of Christ. Well, that's, that's right and true, but... If I could possibly presume to lift up another individual as an example, as equal to Paul, I personally would say John the Baptist. And we're going to take a look at this character. But before we do, I just want to share something with you. It's all in the theme of this. That's something I wrote the other day called Again and Again. Worry not, doubt not, fear not, God says again and again, as he carries the weight and he makes the plans. Worry not, doubt not, fear not, his word is eternal, for what word of your own will never return null. <coughs> Worry not, doubt not, fear not, for God is not like man, who cannot make mistakes in his solid rock, not sand. Worry not, doubt not, fear not, for he is God and there is none else. Rejoice in the Lord and watch as heaviness melts. Worry not, doubt not, fear not, be anxious for nothing, for he is God, and in and faith in him I will sing. So we come to this, and understanding as the word of God teaches us to worry not, doubt not, fear not, be anxious for nothing, but to cast all, all our cares upon him. We read this, we hear this again and again and again, and we get so used to hearing these phrases, but do we actually put them into practice? We say we do, we say we trust the Lord, we say we believe in the Lord, we say we love his word, and, and we try the best we can to, to try to exemplify this, but it goes much more than in just, than in just acting upon it. This is, 
This is a truth of heart. It's a belief of heart. Or do we, like it says in James, are like waves of the sea. We say we believe it and we try to carry it out, but in the back of our mind we're kind of doubting. We're still not sure. What is our purpose? As we get into coming into this new year, we need to revisit some of these things again. And we're going to look at John the Baptist as an example of this. Taking a look at what is our purpose? Why are we here? What is what is it that we're here for when we come into the new year? What are we supposed to be carrying out? What are we supposed to be doing? What is our focus? What's our drive? So with this, I'd like to read one more. My purpose. A child of God and a man of faith, to war in spirit and upon God to wait. A living temple and a royal priest, drinking water of life at God's table we feast. Following a sheep and helpless as clay, in the potter's hands we rest and stay. Grafted branch and living stones, he builds us up and helps us grow. It's not our way or words we should know, for dead to self and upon him we throw. He will teach us the words to say, he even guides us in how we ought to pray. We are not what we want to be. God and his word is only and final authority. So now with that, let's go over to John chapter 3. We see in John chapter 3, picking up where we left off at verse 21, But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. And to take the first little bit here, but he that doeth truth, as it says in James, be not just hearers of the word, but doers also. And the whole book of James is just about this, as we've been working our way through this online, is it seeing that it is a call to discipleship and how we should live and speak and act in showing our faith. We can say we have faith. We can be vehement in saying how much faith we have and what our faith is in and what our faith is about. But how do we show it? I and mean, the question I asked online, if we truly say we love God, to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, my question I asked online, I'll ask you folks, is keep it to yourself, answer yourself. If we say we love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves, what does that look like? What would that look like? What would that look like? We see Apostle Paul says, use him as an example, as he is an example of Christ. And the one thing about John the Baptist, as I'll say about John the Baptist, is one of the greatest of all Christian examples. Because we look at him, and people say, well, he didn't really do much. I beg to differ. Oh, he may, as Leonard Ravenhill says, he may not have raised a dead man, but he raised a dead nation. We see the power of God in him in so many different ways. Yes, he didn't work miracles and signs and wonders, but he was a living miracle. He was a living miracle. And so with this, what is our purpose in reigning in the new year? Reigning as in R-E-I-G-H-N. God reigns. He reigns. And this is the point of purpose. It's not our year. This past year was not our year, but this past year was an example of God's faithfulness and truth and love and power in helping us through. Think back to how many times you stumbled and fell, how many troubles and issues and problems you had that the Lord walked you through. Now, again, what is our purpose? Our purpose is not to try to control the situation. Our challenge is not to fix the problem. Our challenge is to trust God too. It's his challenge. It's not ours. 
It's, it's an example of his faithfulness. He knocks down the wall. He parts the sea. He raises the dead men. He brings the water from the rock. It wasn't Moses. It wasn't his staff. It wasn't his power. It's nothing of us. It's all of him. As you see, holiness is the way God is. And is, his holiness is faithfulness and truth and power and love. And we see this. But he that doeth truth. What, how do we do truth? What shall we do that might work the works of God? This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he hath sent. To believe on the Lord Jesus Christ is the greatest work, of the, is the greatest power. And seeing the fulfillment of this. As they went everywhere preaching the word and the Lord worked with them, confirming the word, the signs following. The Lord proves his faithfulness again and again. And we see here, but he that doeth truth cometh to the light as God is light and in him is no darkness. That his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. That God will reveal what is truth, what is error. He shows us the difference in the holy and the profane. Now let's take a look at John. After these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. And John also was baptizing in Anon near to Salem, because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized. For John was not yet cast into prison. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And they came to John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness... Hold on to that. Behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. I am sent before him. He that hath the bride, bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom which standeth and heareth him rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This is my joy, therefore is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly, and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. And, and what he hath seen and heard, that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. He that hath received his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. The Father loveth the Son, hath given all things into his hand. Verse 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. The testimony of John the Baptist regarding Jesus. Now let's look at a few things. They, they came to him and says, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness. We see his faithfulness in bearing witness about who Jesus is, what he's about, pointing him out as, behold, the Lamb of God. And all men come to Jesus, not John. So we see by this, all men come to him as he directs everybody to Christ. There's a couple of things I want to point out before we get going. He says, I'm sent before him. And we see the picture here as the announcer. The town crier, the one that would go before the king is making the way, clear the way. What is he called to do? To make the crooked way straight. To make, to make the path prepared for the king to arrive. He must increase, but I must decrease. Now, we go down to verse 36, and I just want to point out something here. Now, you'll remember in John chapter 3, where he's with Nicodemus, who came to Jesus by night. 
Now, correct me if I'm wrong, this is a private meeting, was it not? It was a private meeting between Jesus and Nicodemus, right? And what was it that Jesus said? That whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have, ever, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John the Baptist says, verse 36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He's, he says the exact same words Jesus said to Nicodemus. The exact same words that were said in a private meeting. That proves that the Spirit of God was speaking through John and is guiding John because it's the same message of the same word, of the same Spirit, of the same Lord, of the same faith, of the same way of salvation. Did John worry about what to say? Did John worry about what to say? Now let's get down to some points here about John. We go back to John chapter 1 and we take a look at verse 23. Take a look at verse 23 of John chapter 1. He says, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. Now, look at this. They, they ask him, who are you? Who are you? And he says, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. People would say, well, John here is the voice crying in the wilderness. No, he's not. No, he's not. Go back to Isaiah chapter 40. As said the prophet Isaiah. Well, let's take a look at Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. Now look at this. I'm going to show you something. Did not the Lord say, I will teach thee what thou shalt say? We're not what to say beforehand. I will teach you what to say. I'll put my words in your mouth. I will guide you in, in what to say and all this. Look at Isaiah chapter 40 and in verse 3 to 5. Verses 3 to 5. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness. Now, who is the him? The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. What does it say? For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. This is the word of God. And what, what are the prophets, the disciples, the servants of God doing? They're just repeating. They're just repeating what the Lord has already said. It's the Lord's cry. He's crying out for the people to make themselves right with Him, to come to repentance, to believe on Him, to trust in Him, to follow Him, to, to look to Him in all things. You see, John the Baptist, no tradition. He had no tradition. You could say no denomination. He was non-denominational. He didn't, he didn't apply to any Pharisee sect, any Sadducee sect, or any sect of the Jews. He was alone. He served the Lord. He had no tradition. He showed no differing to any man's traditions, and he was hated for it. John the Baptist, as we could say, was non-denominational. He attended no school. He attended no school. He went out into the wilderness and studied the scriptures of the Spirit of God in regular prayer and fasting and determined devotion. He set as such an example here, but so many Christians care so much about what clan, what clique, what, uh, what uh, system they align with. But John, he shows us here, and he's, what is he called? The greatest of all the prophets. 
And he, he aligned with nobody. He attended no school. He studied the scriptures with the Spirit of God, not commentaries, catechisms, creeds, and councils. John the Baptist wore no fancy clothes. He was robed in God's righteousness and faithfulness, and he didn't care if the way he dressed appeased people or not. He didn't care what people thought of him. We see an example here about when we're coming into the new year, what so many of us would say we haven't made a resolution. I would, I would beg of you to make one, to make a resolution like John the Baptist and to cast off your care, to cast off your fear and your worry and look to the Lord like you say you believe. We see John and one we like to joke about here about you know, eating the locusts. But in this, even there's something else, he didn't care about his stomach because uh, what did Jesus say? Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He knew the Lord would feed him. He lived by faith. He didn't worry about water because he knew the Lord could bring it from the rock. He didn't care about where his provisions were coming from. He didn't care about what's going to happen in the next day or the new year. He didn't care about office or position. He said the same message to beggars, priests, and kings. He looked at everybody equally. There was no partiality with him. He did not kowtow to other people's wills. He did not care about the Pharisees and, and what they could possibly do. And he told them what they needed to hear. He preached his head off, literally. He preached to his death. Raising his voice like a trumpet, he let everyone have it, telling off the hypocrites and the sinners and saints alike, guiding everyone to conviction, repentance, and salvation in God's truth. John the Baptist didn't fear anyone. He feared nothing. The only fear he knew was the fear of the Lord. He had no fear of man, no fear of government, no fear of earthly force. He led the spirit of Elijah, being able to stand up on Mount Carmel against all the prophets of Baal. He stood by a river against all the people. He didn't care if they were Roman soldiers that he preached to. He instructed them in how to operate. He instructed the people from the poor to the rich, from the priest to the uneducated. He told them all the same thing. John the Baptist had no retirement plan. He had no retirement plan. He was going to die in the pulpit, and he was proud of it. He was happy of it. He didn't care what happened to him. He wasn't going to stop, and no man was going to stop him. If they were going to throw him in prison, he's going to preach the inmates. Cut out his tongue, he'd learn sign language. He was that determined. There is no way to stop this man, this wild man, wild for the Lord. John the Baptist didn't have a dime to his name. He had nothing. He didn't care about earthly materialism. All he had was a camel skin and sunburnt on the outside and filled the fire of God on the inside. And he walked in the dusty places in the wilderness and he preached and he didn't care if people came or not because he knew the Lord would bring the crowd. We're coming into the new year, be like John the Baptist. Who cares what the world does? Who cares what society says? Who cares what's happening in the government? We have a king of kings who is able to override them. Like John the Baptist. John the Baptist, the dirt was his home. The sky was his roof. And he was sunburnt and he didn't care what he looked like. Looked like a wild man, but people came to see this great sight. They wanted to see this reed shaken in the wind. They had different ideas and thoughts of him, but he didn't care what they said about him. They didn't care. He didn't care if they cursed him or if they adored him. He couldn't care less because, like uh, the preacher Willie Mullen says, I don't fear your frowns and I don't covet your smiles. 
It's the same spirit of the same God, of the same Lord, and you'll notice that every aspect of his character, of his personality, of his attributes is exactly identical to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the same God, the same Lord, the same message, the same spirit, the same power, that's why Jesus said he was great. Because the spirit of God that was moving. John wasn't great. The spirit of God was great in him. You see this? He was broken. John the Baptist was broken, grieving over sin, helpless in himself, but mighty in the word of God. He didn't care one bit about politics. He didn't care if there was a Caesar. He didn't care about King Herod. He didn't care about the rulers. He didn't care about the laws of the land. He didn't care about the rules of the bylaws. He didn't care what people would say about where he was or how he was worshiping or how he was singing or how he was speaking. He didn't care about other people's authority because there's only one authority and that is God. He cared about the Lord God Almighty, and that's all he cared about. God is his only authority, and nobody was going to tell him what to do. Nobody was going to tell him how he should keep his faith. Nobody was going to tell him how he should preach. Nobody was going to tell him to mince his words. He wouldn't listen to him anyways. This is John the Baptist. John the Baptist didn't care about politics. He didn't care about societal cares. He didn't care about medical advice. He didn't care about philosophy. He only cared about the word of God and the salvation of souls. That's all he cared about. We're coming into the new year. I would say determine yourself to lead more souls to Christ. Determine in yourself to be more fearless in the eyes of the public. But determine in yourself that, that in the new year you'll preach the gospel more. That the people see that God is in you of a truth like they saw God in John the Baptist. John the Baptist didn't care about what time it was. He didn't care what day it was. He served the Lord around the clock, and he couldn't care less about his own needs or anything else. The Lord looked after his needs, and he lived by faith. He didn't fear or worry about a single thing. But to so much we see today of so many Christians are fearing and worrying and stressing and fretting and anxious and caring about absolutely every single thing that comes along. Well, what about this? What about this? What about the government this? What about medical this? I say, what about the Lord? Is the Lord not able to meet your needs? Is he not able to raise the dead? Is he not able to heal the sick? Is he not able to do this? People say, well, I have asked. Have you asked in prayer and fasting? Have you asked the Lord like he directs in his word? Have you determined yourself or are you wavering in faith? The Bible says you receive nothing of God. Determine yourself to be like John the Baptist. He didn't care if people followed him or not. He preached what God told him to. And if people did follow him, then he taught them the same thing God showed him. He showed no partiality or favoritism. And he would immediately direct his disciples to Jesus Christ alone. He did not worry if people showed up. He didn't worry if people listened. He just faithfully preached to the wilderness. And God brought those that needed to hear it. God brings the crowd. We don't bring in the crowd. We don't alter the service to fit, to fit the entertainment needs of the people. We preach the word, and if people don't like it, that's their problem. We're not going to change. We're not going to change the word. We're not going to change the faith. We're not going to change the way we uh, conduct service. We're not going to change the hymns. We're not going to change Jesus Christ. We're not going to mince words. We're not going to compromise. We're not going to kowtow. We're going to keep the faith, and if people don't like it, tough. That was John the Baptist. This was his attitude. This is the way he presented it. And people hated him for it. 
They hated him for it because he was like this. But he, he wasn't rude, he wasn't mean, he wasn't angry, but he was dogmatic on the ways of the Lord just like Jesus Christ was. And Jesus Christ didn't mince his words. And as Jesus and John, they let the chips fall where they might, and if people didn't like it, tough. That's just the way it is. God doesn't change for man. God is not like man. God doesn't change and neither should his ways, his service, his word, his prayer, his faith, his preaching. The same way that the prophets of old as Elijah preached, the same way that John preached. It didn't matter if it was the wilderness, didn't matter if it was Jordan, didn't matter if it was Jerusalem, it didn't matter if it was, if it was Mount Carmel, it didn't matter if it was the halls of Pharaoh. The same message was preached in the same way by the same Lord who doesn't change because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And going into the new year, it's the same God of the same faith, of the same Lord, of the same way, and we're not going to change. We're not changing anything but our attitude. That's what it comes down to. We're not changing anything but our attitude. John the Baptist, he didn't worry if people showed up. He didn't worry if people listened. He faithfully preached. John the Baptist had no degree. He had no degrees, he had no diplomas, he had no man's cert certificate of approval, he had no education of man. This uneducated, low, wild man out in the middle of the wilderness knew more of the scriptures and he preached more fervently than men who held all the scrolls. John the Baptist was filled with the Spirit of God, not man's wisdom. He didn't push up uh, other people's commentaries, other people's names. He, he didn't uh, toe the line of a denominational distinctive. He stood alone with the Spirit of God, and he turned the world upside down. This is John the Baptist. He had no degree or man's certificate of approval, no education of man. He was not ordained. He, he didn't need anyone's approval, and he wouldn't accept it anyways. That was John the Baptist. John the Baptist, he didn't compromise. He didn't water down. He didn't air condition hell. He didn't water down sin. He called it for what it is. He called it a, a, a sin for sin. And he told people what they needed to do. And he didn't care if they liked it or not. Because that's just how it is. And, it's, and enough is enough with mints and words and dancing around the bush. We need to call it for what it is. Sin is still sin. Hell is still hot. The cross is still rugged. The blood still flows. Jesus is still God. And the, and the faith is still the only faith of the only way, the only truth, and the only life. Jesus Christ is Lord and there is none else. He's the only king and there's no other God but him. And John the Baptist understood this and he was proud. He was so full of pride. John the Baptist was so full of pride for God. So full of pride for the Lord. He lifted up the Lord. He boasted God. He was so full of pride and so full of love of the Lord. He shoved it in everyone's face. He says, this is what it is and I'm not hiding it. I'm not hiding it. And going into the new year, I'd say another one is stop hiding. We're supposed to be street preachers, not building hiders. We're supposed to be proud about the Lord, not apologizing. We're supposed to handing out the tracts and getting the gospel out and not worrying about what the stranger might think. So what? Well, what if they, what could they, they could possibly do this to me? Let them. You join the ranks of the martyrs. You join John in prison. You join Paul in prison. Which of the prophets they not kill? Why do you think they should treat you any different? It's the same Lord. Look what they did to the, our master. You think they should treat you different? 
John the Baptist, he did not compromise or water down to win people's approval. He didn't need anyone's approval but the Lord's. That's all he cared about was the love of God, the truth of God, getting out there, people hearing it, and hearing it plainly, clearly, concisely, competently, confidently, that he didn't care if they liked it or not because it's the truth of God and God, and God said, never says anything wrong. God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't make mistakes. So people say, well, I don't know what to say. Good, you won't get in the way. Well, I don't know where to go. Good, you won't get in the way. I don't know what to do. Good, you won't get in the way. How about give yourself to prayer and fasting and ask the Lord to guide you through the wilderness. Well, I don't know where the money's going to come from. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I don't think his bank account's low. He's going to look after everything. Well, what about the food and the bills? He'll look after if you give it to him. He looks after his own, does he, does he not? It's his house, his car, his account. It's his church, his building, his pulpit. It's his word. He looks after it all. He looked after John the Baptist, did he not? John lived in the wilderness. He looked after the Israelites for 40 years in the wilderness. Millions of people for 40 years. How much money and how much provision do you think that took? And he never ran out. How, how much water do you think it would take to water all of those people and their cattle and everything? Did, it, did, it, did God's well ever run dry? Did the manna ever dry up? Their shoes didn't either. This is the power of God and John knew this and he didn't care. He went anyways. He told them anyways, regardless what all the skeptics say, regardless what all the sneerings might say, regardless what the opponents might say, or the fearful, faithless Christians so-called would say. He didn't care. He did it anyways. He was an example. He was an inspiration. People came to him for inspiration because they saw who he was. They saw what he was saying, and he proved it to them. He wasn't just saying words. God worked with him, confirming the word, signs following. People got saved by the droves. Revival tarries when the saints do. Revival tarries when faith tarries. Revival tarries when, when the saints stop trusting the Lord like John the Baptist. Revival tarries when saints stop looking at uh, Apostle Paul and John the Baptist and, and they stopped listening to them. John the Baptist did not soften a single word for his audience. He didn't care about his audience. He didn't care about their feelings. He didn't care about how long he went, how short he went, what he said or how he said it. He didn't kowtow to their emotions. He didn't care about his audience. His audience is heaven. He preached for heaven, not man. He preached for heaven, not men. He didn't soften a single word for his audience. Again, he wasn't rude, wasn't angry, or unloving. He just said what needed to be said in God-fearing dogmatism. And he did not kowtow to their emotions and did not care one bit about how they felt about him. All he cared about was the approval of God. John the Baptist was the most Christ-like man. Because you look at Psalms 19.14, this is the cry of John Baptist, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer, in God's sight, in God's eyes. The world hates us. They call us every name. They curse us and mock us. They ridicule us in different areas. They arrest us and mistreat us and persecute us. They kill us. They imprison us because men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Why should we dim the light to reduce persecution? 
Why should we dim the light to reduce persecution? This is what has happened with many of the churches nowadays as we become so fearful, so fearful of what other people say. We become so fearful of their frownings, of their sneerings, of their ridicule. We become so fearful about our provisions, about our cupboards and our fridges, about our bank accounts. We become so fearful about our health and our wealth and our power and our influence. We become so fearful of what the government might do, might say what they could. So what? Let it all go. Are we not told to cast all our care? John cast all his care and everything else. He owned nothing. He owned nothing and God proved himself. And he was called the greatest of all the prophets. Greater than Moses. He was greater than Elijah. He was greater than Isaiah. He was greater than all of them. Because he was faithful in everything he did by giving it all to the Lord and all he cared about was the preaching. But again, just remember, John the Baptist was just a man. He was no different than you or I. No different. He was a man of sin, just like you and I. He had his own issues, his own problems, his own struggles, his own frailties, his own sin. That every night he'd be wallowing in his own grief and his own misery of his own fear and everything else. And the Lord showed his, his faithfulness and his power to him. And John left an example that's, that it doesn't matter what sin holds you. The righteous man falls seven times and rises again. The other thing about John the Baptist, he didn't care about what sin grabbed him. Because he would just get right back up and keep preaching and nothing could keep him down. You couldn't keep John down. You couldn't stop him. You couldn't silence him. You couldn't turn the volume down on him. He would keep going and he would keep preaching. He preached in the prisons. He kept preaching. I would guarantee you my last bottom dollar, he preached a sermon like no sermon to his executioner. I'll bet the last words out of his mouth was all hail King Jesus. I'll bet you everything that John the Baptist is faithful right up until death because that's just the kind of man he was. And, and what kind of example does that leave for us? What can we learn from John the Baptist? What lesson can we learn from Apostle Paul? These are just men. What example can we learn from Martha and Mary, from Deborah, Anna, and Esther and Ruth? What lesson can we learn from these holy men and women of God? Where are they today? Like the song by Ed Seeley, where are the holy men and women of God today? We love to live in the past. We love to revel in the great preachers and servants and the singers of past, the great men and women. Where are they today? Where is the next generation of the faithful? Where is the next generation of the John the Baptist, of the Debras? Where are they? I, did, I ask that your, your uh, New Year's resolution would be, here am I, Lord, send me. 2 Timothy 2.15 Study to show thyself approved unto God that God would approve your works, your deeds, your words, your service. Approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's a question I ask online from time to time. We read that verse, we quote that verse, we paint that verse on our hats and, and our, our clothes. We make posters of it. I'm not ashamed, but I have a question for you. If you honestly say that, if you can honestly say that you are not ashamed, really? What would that look like? Would that not look like someone like John the Baptist? Can you honestly say you're not ashamed? 
Well, you prove how unashamed you are by how, how much you speak of the truth, how much you speak up for the Lord, how much you serve the Lord, and how, how you fear the Lord over all other fear, how much you pray, how much you fast and pray, how often you serve the Lord and attend the service and the fellowship and the abiding with the saints and bearing one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, the love of Christ, the voice of him that cry from the wilderness, does the Spirit of God cry through you? Does the Spirit of God cry through you? Can you hear His voice? Do you hear Him when you pray and you read your Bible and your own devotions? Do you actually hear Him? Do you hear Him? Are you just going through the motions, obligations? I'm not accusing anybody of anything. I'm just asking provoking thoughts. Just generalized thoughts here. I want you to examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. And if you are in the faith, to examine your faith to see wherein it lies. John the Baptist is just a man. He wasn't special. He was called of God, but are we not all? Jesus says for all of us to go into all the world and preach the gospel, that we're supposed to serve him and fear and trembling in all things. And John gave us an example. Paul gave us an example. The prophets and the disciples and the servants gave us an example. These men and women, they're just men and women. And look what they accomplished. Look what they accomplished. But so many saints are just content with just being pew warmers. That they just want to hear it, but they don't want to do it. They like to they, they love the idea, like I read the one one quote, I forget which preacher said it, is that every Christian loves evangelism as long as someone else is doing it. But this is true. But John the Baptist, he wasn't good, he wasn't for one second gonna let someone else get ahead of him. He was that determined because that's how much he loved the Lord and it wasn't out of his own striving of religiosity. It wasn't for his earning anything. He didn't need to earn his salvation. He didn't need to earn favor. He didn't need to uh, appease anything. He had the favor, had the love of God because he had his son. Because he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. He feared the Lord and he was grieving over sin and serving the Lord in faithfulness, in fear and power. And he left us an example. He says, I must decrease. He must increase. Where, is the, where are the John the Baptists today? I would say in this new year, I would say let this be your purpose in reigning in the new year. That Christ would truly reign in you. That the power of God unto salvation, that the power of God to be able to turn the world upside down, that would make the jaws of the atheists hit the gravel, that would make the pagans run in fear, that make the devils run in fear, run in crying and terror, because when you step in the room, you bring the power of God. That was the kind of man John was, and that is exactly the kind of person you can be too. There is literally nothing stopping you but your attitude. There's literally nothing stopping you. Because we see it's possible. Anyone can go. Anyone can stand. Anyone can speak. You're able to memorize every song on the radio. You can quote line for line your favorite lines of all your movies. And you know everything about the different politics and sports teams and everything else. All the stuff going on in the news. You can quote go on for hours and hours and hours. I'm telling you it's determination of priority prioritization of the Lord. And that's what John learned by separating himself. Are we not called to be separated? 
Come out from among them, be separate, saith the Lord, but we don't want to because we want the vanities and the luxuries and the easy living. We want to ha have our golden ticket and like Demas, have the world in the other hand. But the Lord is saying, you can't. You have to pick one. Choose you this day whom you will serve. And this is what comes up in the new year. Choose you this day whom you will serve in the new year. Choose you this year whom you will serve. Our purpose is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Our purpose is to glorify the Lord only. Our purpose is to praise the Lord, to hail the King in the faces of the damned so they might hear it and see and believe and they be saved and join us in praising the King. That is our purpose. Your purpose is not to earn and gain and maintain and keep and luxury and vanity and power and wealth and everything else. Now, materialism is nothing. It's all going to fade away, be eaten and by, by worms and caterpillars and rust and it'll be forgotten. The tombstones will fade in the weather and your name will be forgotten, but the work won't. God doesn't change God doesn't change. And look what he did about Mary who washed his feet with tears. This, what she has done will be remembered. God remembers. He remembers the faithful. It doesn't matter what little it is as long as it's done in faithfulness. Even washing his feet. A cup of cool water. But we see it's done in faithfulness. The determination out of love. If you love me, keep my commandments. And John did. And he didn't need any building. He didn't need any property. He didn't care if it was an island or a desert metropolis or the jungle. It doesn't matter who it is, where you are, what you are, what color, what language, what nationality. It doesn't matter what the government is, what the situation, where you are in the world. It doesn't matter if you're high intellect or if you're a poor, uneducated pauper. It doesn't matter. It's the same God. It's his word anyways. It's his faith, his truth, his life, his power, not ours. He is God and there is none else. Our purpose is to hail the king as he reigns. To hail the king and all hail King Jesus because Jesus Christ is Lord and John knew this. He preached it and he was faithful. Him that thou hast borne witness to, have you borne witness to the Son of God? Let's pray. Our Lord, we do thank you for this day and this truth of your word and Lord, what you have done. Lord, I pray that you would help us to remember these things as we come into the new year. Lord, that you would please encourage us, strengthen us, that you would teach us what to say. You would teach us how to pray. Lord, that you would stir up on, in us the fire of your spirit. Lord, that you would turn up the light on the candle. Lord, that you would truly show yourself in our lives. You would forgive us our fear, forgive us of apathy, forgive us, Lord, if we have dropped the ball in any way. But Lord, that uh, you would help us to be that much more determined to serve you. Lord, like your servant John was, like Paul was and all the rest, Lord, that here we are, Lord, use us. I pray, Lord, that you would bless us in this coming year, Lord, that you would bless this church. Lord, that you would help us to continue to stand, to fight the good fight, to keep the faith, to be strong. Lord, that you would put around us a great hedge of protection. You'd stir up in us, Lord, your word and your spirit. Lord, you'd bless us and strengthen us. You'd help us and hold us. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray.